Welcome to episode 437 of the Paranoid Squirrel Rock Show. My name's Armitage and on this week's show, Camden Rocks and London Shakes. Right, today, today being the 6th of June future and non-wall rock radio listeners, I should be up at the Roundhouse seeing The Damned with Johnny Moped in support. However, I'm at Wembley Stadium for the Capital Radio's Summertime Ball with my daughter and two of her mates. Fatherhood is all about putting others first, unless it's a speeding car. Uh, last Saturday, though, it was all about me as it was the Camden Rocks Festival, organised by the one and only Chris McCormack, he of Three Colours Red, Gary Newman fame, and genial host of the Jubilee Club. Uh, For those of you who are unaware, Camden Rocks is held every year on the last Saturday of May. 30 quid gets you the chance to see over 200 bands spread over 20 venues, from the Enterprise by Chalk Farm Tube Station down to the Purple Turtle at the bottom of Camden High Street. Uh, In an ideal world, my running order for this year would have been thus 12 o'clock Pink Cigar at Camden Cavern 1 o'clock the Amorettes at the Proud Gallery 2 o'clock the men that will be blamed for nothing at the Cuban 3 o'clock Brawlers at the Jazz Cafe 4 o'clock Ginger Wildheart back at the Proud 6 o'clock Role Models at Camden Cavern running up the road to see the Dictators NYC at half past 6 returning and staying at the Proud to see Richie Ramon at 8 o'clock with Michael Monroe finish things off at half nine. Sounds like a plan, doesn't it? Didn't quite work out that way, and I'm really gutted that I didn't throw caution to the wind and follow my timetable to the best of my and new ability. Technical issues you know, prevented Pink Cigar kicking things off at midday with the clock ticking to 20 past and no sign of a fix. I departed in the direction of the proud for the Amorettes. Uh, the place was rammed. You couldn't get a fag paper between people and the heat. Now, this is where things started to go wrong and paranoia set in. That uh, I'd miss Ginger if I was to set foot outside again. I shall elaborate. Once you're in, you were in. Toilets were situated the other side of the security barrier, barrier uh, as was the better stocked bar. Uh, so if you needed to nip to the loo because you drank a pint of water to combat heat exhaustion, you couldn't get back in until the band had finished, irrespective if partners, friends, jackets were still inside. And woe betide you if you went on a beer run. Uh, you were sent to the back of the queue holding three pints of beer in plastic cups by the person on the barrier who had just seen you leave. Uh, it wasn't even a case of like one out, one in, which uh, would have been a certain amount of empathy for. Uh, it was one out, stay out, with the cover-all excuse of health and safety being the stock answer to all questions. So the Proud Gallery was where I remained, making sure I only had small sips of water and kept the cup just in case I needed to reuse it later. Others I was with did risk leaving and that I'm pleased for them, but for me, that they were able to see the 
aforementioned role models and it seems the best band of the day, the Dictators NYC. Uh, but it's the Amorettes that got the cannon ball rolling. Now, I've heard of the band, just not anything from them. Um, anything from their debut album, Hauling Ass, and uh, was it a just released game on? Um, but after their half hour set, I made sure that on Sunday that gap in my record collection was filled. The Amorettes are a uh, three piece from Scotland. Now, usually it's very hard for a trio to replicate their studio sound like. Come the guitar solo with no rhythm guitar to fill out the sound things suddenly become empty and weedy, not with the Amorettes. Bass player Heather fills any musical holes with pounding bass lines that would make Lemmy put down his jack and coat and stub out his Marlboro. Uh, the influence of the Runaways and Girl Scout were always going to be mentioned, but only in the context of being the forefathers, or rather foremothers, actually, it's probably uh, forebearers. However, to quote Pure Rock's Dave Ashworth, the stage presence of Airborne, Sassiness of the Donners, and the heavy chops of girl school.
Up next for your listening pleasure is the one and the only Glenn Matlock. Famously sacked from the Sex Pistols for liking the Beatles and replaced with Sid Vicious, whose bass playing was so good that live his amp remained in the standby mode for all about image. Talking of image, uh, Glenn cats uh, a, a rather a uh, sun-kissed LA look these days, even though he's literally flown in from New York City for his Camden Rock appearance. The thing is with Glenn, he is... So much more than just a Sex Pistol. His post pistol band, the Rich Kids, certainly showed that he wasn't a one-trick pony. To be fair, none of the other original three were either. With uh, Jones and Cook's professionals far better than the band that had thrown them together in the first place anyway. After Ginger Wildheart had finished his abridged songs and words set, I risked emptying my bladder in the designated place and found myself pissing up against the wall next to... Glenn himself. Obviously, no words was exchanged with the British. However, the guy at the other side of me shouted over to his mate that uh, he hoped the place wouldn't be as rammed as it had been for the aforementioned Ginger, to which his mate replied that he doubted it. Cue even more looking straight ahead. Uh, when Glenn did take to the stage, it was noticeably emptier uh, than it was for Ginger and for a man of Glenn's standing. But later on in the evening, when I bumped into Tom Phobic, he uh, informed me that uh, he tried to get in and was refused. Once a band or artist hit the stage, no one else was allowed in, irrespective that there was ample space. For those of us who were in attendance, we were treated to 50 minutes worth of acoustic matlock, spanning his whole career. Rich Kids, Solo, Pistols and some apt covers. Who said no future?
Miguel Juárez.
seen four guys that for a lot of people defined punk. Brian James and Charlie Harper, they just heard Glenn Matlock and the soon to be heard Richie Ramone. 
Talking of punk, uh, I'll be giving my considered appraisal of the damn documentary that I saw on Wednesday twice on next week's show. A great film uh, that was hard to watch in places with some major players not coming out too well. Something magical musically happens when a Ramon place. Admittedly, there are only two drummers and a bassist left these days, but seeing Richie behind the kit and then on vocals aided and abetted by Alex Kane, Claire Mistake and Ben Reagan, playing those songs again really made the hairs stand up on the back of my neck. It wasn't all about past glory, so with them rattling out tracks from his latest album entitled, which seemed to fit right in. <laughs>
onto the band that prevented me from moving from the proud of the Michael Munro band. Typically, absolutely bloody typically, as Richie Ramone's set finished, there wasn't a rush from Michael fans to fill the void left by the exiting Ramones fans. Far from it. Uh, as I look towards the cause of the day's frustration, something that I'm sure used to be Checkpoint Charlie in a different life, the way seemed clear. Unnaturally so. Uh, when Michael, Carl, Steve, Sammy and Rich hit the stage, I did wonder if it was going to be like Glenn all over again. Plenty of space, but sorry sir, you can't come in. Fortunately, by the time 78 had finished, we were back to fag paper and sardine mode. As the gig was being filmed for the band's first single, Old King's Road, from the Blackout States album, which is out on the 16th of October through Spy Farm, we were hoping that the aforementioned new track would be played. However, this wasn't to be. Not that the omission took anything away from the set, but cake and icing does spring to mind. The Proud uh, used to be stables, something it's probably not been since the middle of the last century, but some of the stalls uh, remain converted into rather large booths, or for Camden Rocks, the preparation area for the bands. Uh, this area was rather exposed to anybody walking past or queuing up. Off stage, Michael Munro is a very private person, so I did feel for him as he looked like a caged animal at a zoo, an object of fascination with cameras poking through the bars left, right and centre. Fortunately, after the gig, people were more interested in getting to the toilets than rubbernecking. <laughs> Until next week. Take it easy.
played with this band before. You might recognize this. Here we go.
Sandra.